body language, feeling comfortable, looking comfortable. I don't always understand how I can stand in front of a total stranger on a suburban street, clearly be photographing them and they don't really react. And it doesn't make sense to me, but I think <laughs> it's because I've been doing it for long enough that I've learned to look really comfortable mm -hmm. and I feel confident about what I'm doing and I feel like it's important. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here's your host, Brian Formals. Like the sweat lodge, you kind of sweat it out. It's cool somewhere, just yeah, not here. Just not here. Loosen everyone up. Loosen yeah. everyone up, yeah, yeah. It's kind of you start hallucinating, get better, <laughs> better comments, you know. But uh, yeah. yeah, so how are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm great. You're comfortable? Absolutely. You got your beer, we got your books. We're, uh, beer and books, can't beat that. <laughs> exactly, and a Friday night, you know. Friday night, so uh, well, we're here with Noel Camardo. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah we're excited to have you. Um, you brought, uh, you, I first kind of, uh, I think, I don't know, again, I, it's the same, kind of the same story with a lot of guys. I, I either started following you online, and then at some point you started sending me some of your books, which I always like. <laughs> I like when people send me their books, and I was like really interested, and I follow your Tumblr, and then uh, we had Gus Paul on, and Gus was like, you don't, you don't know. I was like, yeah, I've been following me, sending his books. You should have him on. So here you are. <laughs> thank you, Gus. Yeah, thank you, Gus. <laughs> so how long have you you've assisted Gus for how many years? About four. Four? Four years? I've known Gus four or five years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you and Tom have a, a, a connection as well, too. You both went to RIT. We did. We, yeah. we endured Rochester, New York. <laughs> <laughs> so what year did you graduate? 2003. 2003? Yeah. yeah. So you, um, at what point, you know, you went to RIT, studied photography. When did you pick up photography? Was it something you picked up in childhood, high school, or when did you kind of get interested in it? 96 in yeah. high school. Uh-huh. I was really fortunate, and I had a high school professor that showed me Kadalka, oh. Winogrand, Elliot Erwitt, and instantly I was like, oh, I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah, you get to see like a lot of the legend. That, that kind of, you, want, you knew you wanted to go on the street right away? Right away, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, at that point, I was in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So I would take the train into Manhattan and just walk around and take pictures like Winogrand and yeah. Irwitt. What were you shooting with? Pentax K, is it 100 or 1,000? Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 50 millimeter lens. Uh-huh, uh, -huh, uh -huh. I, Or like right away I started getting really into getting really close to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh -huh. That's, which was that's very, not usually that usually which takes at the time. time was really thrilling because I was sixteen. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, but were you shooting film? Yeah, yeah. Shooting film right away. Yeah. So did you? Ninety six, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know where my head is. Yeah. Um, well, wait a minute. When did digital start? I guess that's a good question. When were the first digital cameras come out? Well, it was early nineties, but those 90s. are I don't know. You know. Space age technology. Yeah. At that point, I, I always wanted to get my hands on one of those like really first digital cameras, like two megapixels or whatever, and do a project with them. I think it was less, but yeah. 
Really? <laughs> Probably. They might look good now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you were shooting black and white. Did you develop your own film and, and go down that path right away? And oh, yeah. Spend time in the dark room? Yeah. You know, I never yeah. loved the dark room, and I still don't love toning pictures. Or I do it, and I, I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but it's not my favorite part of the process. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I have no nostalgia for film or the dark room or seeing the image for the first time that doesn't mean anything to me uh-huh. but yeah so did you are you still you're shooting digital all now right or are you still shooting film no all digital all digital since 2007 okay okay mm. what are you shooting with like uh m9 oh, oh really yeah well there you go that's not bad huh no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The, you need a hands on. I mean, I always I think it's interesting how like uh, uh, transitioned into the digital age. You know, you kind of there was a little bit of, for a while there. You'd wonder if they were going to lead the the pack, but you know, I still think if you can get a like M nine, it's probably the you know still the best digital rangefinder you can get for sure. You know, nothing against our friends at Fuji. <laughs> Yeah, Tom loves the Fuji. Yeah, uh, partial hundred ass. So you brought a few of your self-published books, um, and we got to look at your your first early kind of black and white photographs. And this was all. Is this basically right when you started those pictures from '96 on in this book? These are good. No, that was one year. Two thousand fall of '99. And spring of 2000, I took a year off from college, mm-hmm. and I worked part-time, and then four days a week, I traveled into Manhattan, uh-huh. walked around, took photographs. Nice, nice. That's what I did. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting how, like, this kind of, it's that classic black and white, and so many people on the street kind of start out that way. It's so, But it's incre- still incredibly difficult to do, you know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah, it's very beautiful. But then at what point did you decide you wanted to switch to color? About 2002. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you just went full force into color. Um, and black and white didn't feel very modern to me, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of color tones that I like that are very subtle and uh-huh. not flashy, and uh-huh. I kind of felt like I was missing out on that. Mm-hmm. So who did you, so I'm assuming you did a lot of your study, like the Marowitz, Eggleston, and all the kind of classic color photography. and Yeah, I know, love right? all those guys. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Shore especially. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, kind of like the, the triumvirate there of Eggleston, Marowitz, Shore. <laughs> who else is The uh, Trinity. Ernest, ha- Ernest Haas, <laughs> I like him a lot too. I mean, like, um, obviously Saul Lighter too, but he was a lot later when he, his stuff started appearing. I really, at that time, liked Miguel Rio Bronco. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. It was very beautiful. And I had this book by Harry Gruert. I could be hmm. pronouncing his name incorrectly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's one of my favorite Magnum guys. I love that guy. Yeah, his yeah. photographs are beautiful. Yeah. I, well, I have to give, what is it, Rivage, Rivage, one of those books? I have to get I, it's it's like on my list. Next time I go on my my book buying spree, he's got to definitely be on it because that yeah. It's, there's so many of those Magnum guys that you kind of are like a little under the radar, but they're so good, you know. And they're just been going about their stuff and doing it. But he's yeah, that guy is amazing. We got to get one of his books on the show. I'll have to buy it. You'll have to buy it, Tom. My favorite is 
Lumieres Blanches. Uh-huh. And I bought it at Rizzoli on 57th Street. And at the time, I, I could look it up on the internet and see that it was valued at like hundreds of dollars. But at Rizzoli, they would never check that because it's a bigger store. Uh-huh. So I bought them out. I think I had three or four copies of it. <laughs> wow. And I, I'm down to one. I've given them away. But. Oh, wow. You gave them away as like gifts? Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, that's a nice gift, huh? Instead of like selling them on eBay. No, <laughs> cash in. Must have some good friends. Yeah, yeah. So you brought so you brought a couple of the cool the mega first magazine I think you sent me was Los Angeles, and when I saw this I was just kind of like immediately like I, I was, we were saying earlier it's like I could just I could feel myself walking around LA as like you said you could smell it I could smell LA yeah just like the neighborhood because it seems like you. Kind of had the same approach. You snaked your way, you know, the busy boulevards, intersections, but you really found your way into, you know, around the neighborhoods as well, too. So how, what made you want to go out and photograph in L.A.? My wife is obsessed with the sunshine and the plants, uh-huh. and she does not like winter here. <laughs> <laughs> so we went there for four months. Uh-huh. Nice. Where'd you stay? In Venice. Oh, nice. Okay, so you're right on the water, huh? Did you, did you, so was most of this on the west side or were you all over LA? All over. All over? Yeah. Were you driving or taking the bus or subway? Yeah, I had a rental car. You had so. a rental car? Okay, cool. You know, I usually like to drive, find somewhere I feel good about, mm-hmm. go for a walk for an hour or two, get back in the car, drive some more. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of photographs from the car. I've been doing that for a bunch of years, but in LA specifically, really felt right to me because you spend so much time in the car. Mm-hmm. You got to see Patrick, Patrick Gookins. Yeah, 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 I've seen his yeah, 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 He talks yeah. about that. that he talks funny. about that, yeah. You, you can definitely see, like... So you have a couple of photos here, and I know we took a picture of one that's kind of right in one of those stereotypical, it feels like, L.A. strip malls, you know, that just has that vibe to it. And So you're getting really close again. And, and in L.A., I, re- I was always like, it's hard to get close, because there's not that many people on the sidewalks. Who walks around in L.A.? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a regular thing to do for most people. Yeah. Unless you can't afford to take a rental car or a regular car yeah. or the bus or yeah, whatnot. Yeah, So did you feel like you were inconspicuous or did kind of people – because you, your photos are very candid. Like there's not a lot of eye contact. You're kind of like – Stealth I'm, on it, you know. I'm really comfortable and used to walking around mm-hmm. roads. Mm-hmm. So not sidewalks, but just walking along the side of roads is something I've done all across America. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. And people drive past and look at you and think you're crazy. Yeah. Or they don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But I've just grown so accustomed to that that I don't think twice about it. Uh-huh. What about like these neighborhood shots, like these sidewalk shots? Like... I always feel like those are really hard to pull off. I mean, do you, is it just like instinct to you by now where you're just like, bam, you got it, and before they even know it, you're past them? I think it's a combination of that and body language, feeling comfortable, mm-hmm. looking comfortable. I don't always understand how I can stand in front of a total stranger on a suburban street, clearly be photographing them, and they don't really react, and... It doesn't make sense to me, but I think it's because I've been doing it for long enough that I've learned to look really comfortable, mm-hmm. and I feel confident about what I'm doing, and I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. So I probably give off that vibe of, like, 
I don't know what this guy's doing, but he seems okay to me. Yeah. And oftentimes no one says anything. I'll photograph someone for a minute and they won't say anything and I don't really understand. (laughs) And of course that's not always the case and sometimes people get mad or Uh or they'll be like, what are you doing? And I'll explain and then we'll continue. Uh (laughs) So have you had, so you, what do you, is that your, what's your kind of like standard operating procedure when somebody confronts you? Because I know online I've been involved in the street community for a while, like, there's typically two reactions. One is the like, this is my right. I'm within the legal rights of what I can do and you can't tell me what to do. And then there's like the other photographers are like calm, cool and collect. And it's like, I'm, a, doc- I'm a documentary <laughs> photographer. Here's what I'm doing. And they explain it, you know. Oh, yeah. The second approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want anything to escalate. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I feel confident about what I'm doing and mm-hmm. I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. And I just try to give off that uh-huh. feeling and I'm happy to explain to anyone what I'm doing and pretty much I avoid any problems. So do you ever send photos to anyone that, that confronts you? Have you ever done that? I have. Yeah. I've never had anyone respond back when <laughs> I mail them a postcard uh-huh. or send a couple four by six prints yeah. in an envelope. Sometimes if people let me into their lives, I'll try to do that. I usually don't hear anything back. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any situations where you kind of felt like in danger? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where were you? Yeah, where were you? Uh, I've had plenty of those yeah. <laughs> experiences. Um, any times in LA? Not that I can recall in uh-huh. LA. Like, I've spent hundreds of days around the country uh-huh. just walking around making photographs, so I've had some strange experiences. Um, one time in Midland, Texas, mm-hmm. I was just walking down this street and this guy in a wheelchair comes up to me and I'm photographing his house and I look at him and he looks a little crazy and he's like telling me about like he's lived on this block his whole life and then I realize that he has a shotgun strapped to his <laughs> wheelchair. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm oh, like, man. oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and then he's like, just don't take my picture. So I couldn't photograph him. He didn't want to be photographed, but I'm sort of talking to him. And then he starts inviting me into his house, and he keeps telling me he wants to give me a glass of distilled water. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which was so strange to me. Like, I didn't really... <laughs> Like under like why yeah. distilled water, not yeah. just like cold water or regular water. <laughs> and he kept being really persistent that I come inside his house and I, I wasn't gonna do it. And I was actually traveling with a photographer friend, Nathan Millis. Mm-hmm. So I finally, after talking to this guy for 15 minutes, I, I went back to the gas station where we were meeting up, and sure enough, this wheelchair guy has taken a shortcut to get to the gas station is already there. He beat me there. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So then. And he still has the shotgun. So then he's like, oh, I want to show you my backyard. I've built this, he referred to it as a shady grove. Oh, <laughs> this man. Uh oh. Kind of not the best neighborhood, not the worst mm. in Texas. So now that my friend Nate's there, I feel more comfortable going back into his private space. Mm-hmm. So we go back to his backyard and he just keeps going on about the distilled water thing. <laughs> I don't know what it was with the distilled water, but oh, he really wanted us to come inside his house, and we didn't end up doing it. Well, since you're here, I, I'm assuming you didn't drink the water, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that wasn't a time where I felt in danger, but it's just... Bizarre. A strange right? story. Yeah. So you're, you, 
speaking of Texas, Dirty Roses. That was in Texas, right? Dusty. Dusty Roses. Dusty yeah. Roses. So that was, you got, well, I'll explain how that came about because you got a grant, right? I got accepted to an artist residency mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Corsicana, Texas called 100 West. Mm-hmm. And I was able to spend 45 days in Corsicana making photographs, which was amazing. I had all day long, every day to go out and make photographs. Mm -hmm. And I stayed within the borders of Corsicana, town of 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Corsicana is the birthplace of the American oil industry. And they had a massive oil boom at the turn of the century. Hmm. So... That lasted 40 years, and then it pretty much dried up. The infrastructure in Corsicana is amazing because in the 20s and 30s, there were a huge amount of millionaires per capita in this Mm -hmm. tiny town. So there's beautiful buildings and really amazing old houses, and that has been gone for 50 years, but the houses remain in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like you could buy an amazing house for $100,000 or even $50,000. <laughs> I'm moving there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. You no. should go for it. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if I, Texas suits you, bro. Yeah, I don't know. That. But I mean, the, the photos are beautiful and it feels, I mean, this kind of feels a little bit more, I don't know, want to say like, more of the social documentary. I mean, the street is the street and it's kind of like a little bit looser, but this is, you know, very targeted kind of. So what, how did you feel about, you know, did you feel like there was a change in in kind of your work, the way you were doing that? I mean, it's definitely the similar street approach, but it feels, you know what I'm saying? It feels like more like a social documentary project, you know? For me, taking the pictures, it feels exactly the same as walking down a, quote unquote sidewalk mm-hmm. because I'm responding to things and anticipating what's going to happen and putting myself into people's lives. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel different to me, mm-hmm. but I can see how it comes across as different. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I have spent a lot of time across the U.S. Taking similar photographs, mm-hmm. but just never con- so concentrated right. in one right. small area, which was really interesting for me. And right. Yeah, and I mean, oftentimes that's just that's exactly what it is. It's not necessarily the change in the approach, but it's like, you know, the ch- you know you you change one of those variables, or you focus on one small angle of uh, or one small place, and then all of a sudden, but it comes off. You know what I mean? It comes off in the photos. That's a little bit more. I don't know what you want to say. It's um. I don't want to say it's like not loose or tight, but it's, you know, focused on like right. that. So what, what's the reaction been to this project? I mean, you, cause you, you know, you put it out there and I saw like a lot of people were picking it up there and, you know, appeared on a bunch of blogs and are, do you plan, have any plans on making a book out of it or, or what have you? Yeah, it got, my reaction to this was fantastic and it mm-hmm. got placed on a lot of different blogs mm-hmm. and I made another self-published book of it. Mm-hmm. And the day I completed it, I said, I'm not done with this. And I want to go back and finish the project. Yeah. I want to be there in the summer. So I'm going to go back in August. Oh, cool. And I want it to be. Yeah. You know when you photograph and it's 100 degrees out, you can feel it in the photographs. Mm-hmm. You can see the sweat on people. That's I'm, awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So how long are you going to stay there? All of August? 
I don't have the days set yet, uh, but probably a couple week long trips would be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. I think that's a great plan. It was really interesting containing myself in such a small space because mm-hmm. after a week of just walking around, like I do some really long days, like seven to seven. People see you like every day, <laughs> yeah, three yeah. times. Yeah. And after the, a week, the, finally they'll be like, what are you doing? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a consistently being out there built up a level of trust that was different for me and it allowed me to enter people's lives mm-hmm. in a way that's harder to do when you're in a small town for six hours. I mean, sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't. But in this scenario, of course, it can repeatedly seeing me allowed me to access people's lives a little bit deeper. Yeah, and you have a real, I mean, it's like I'm here on an artist's residency. You know what I mean? It's kind of a very, well, you know, they don't really know. Artist telling someone you're in Corsicana on an artist residency in Corsicana, that doesn't really resonate. <laughs> yeah. like, that doesn't really make sense to people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you did For the most part, I mean, yeah. you could, I could say that, but I don't know how much weight that would hold. Yeah. So you just say you're working on a documentary project, your photographer, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we, I, I, the one book that you brought here that was kind of, and I don't, maybe I, I think I've seen it, but when I saw the book, I was like, this feel, you know, it's a little, a little different than your other stuff, but it's really cool. It's called The Brick. So uh, I'm going to let you explain the book because I feel like that's the best approach. What was the what was the impetus for starting the brick? Out my back window in the apartment that I live in now, there's a shed, and on top of the shed, there's a brown brick. And there's nothing <laughs> special about it. And I took a picture of it one day just because I'm always taking pictures, and, and then I went back the next day and I took another picture, and it just became a thing where... I would always look out the window and see the brick and continually take pictures of it. And I did it for two or three years of just every time I saw something different out there, I just would take a picture and the frame is fairly consistent. But the mood of the picture is always different and there's tons of small details, whether it's a clothesline in the background behind the brick or a squirrel on the roof or birds or the texture of the roof has ice on it. Uh, to me, I don't actually care about the brick. Like, obviously, that's not something I care about, <laughs> but it's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a clever conceit. I mean, it kind of pulls you in with the, you know, the simple typology, but then once you get into the book, you realize that that's just, that's like the anchor of it, but everything, it's really like the brick is in the center, but all the action is around the brick, you know what I mean? Right. And like, that's what's so cool about it. And then the change of, of time and the change of season, it's, you know, and you have this one photo where the guy's like fixing the fence or whatever, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, it's such a, it seems like such a simple idea and like, how do you pull that off? But like, it seems like the more you do it, the more complex it becomes. And at the end, you have a really complex kind of book here, you know? So I think it's just brilliant. I mean, for me, I'm trying to use the brick to talk about other things and Mm -hmm. bring in different feelings and emotions and moods. And Mm -hmm. I really, it's not a 
about the brick, literally. Right. That's just <laughs> my right. it's a focal tool. point. Yeah, it's yeah. the hook. I mean, it's the hook. And, like, yeah. that's, you know, like I said, that's kind of what I feel like you set this expectation of it's going to be like, oh, okay. But then there's also just, like, how does a brick stay up there for three years? Like I said before, you never were tempted to go and move it <laughs> no. or, like, go and take it. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted a raccoon to go on the roof. <laughs> that never happened. Yeah. So... I guess we're going to give away the book. But in the final photograph, the brick is gone. The brick is gone. <laughs> and that's a great story because pro- a couple of days prior to that, I had finished my mock-up. Or I'd been working oh, on a wow. mock-up of 4 by 6 prints for a long wow. time. <laughs> and I'm looking at it in bed, and I <laughs> go to my wife. I'm like, all right, I, you know, I think this is it. Like, I feel good about this. I'm done with it. <laughs> and the very next morning... I looked out the window and the brick was gone. (laughs) (laughs) So you have no idea what happened to it? Um, My landlord probably cleaned it. Because you can see in the picture that there's a ladder. Oh, You can see just a hint of the ladder. So Uh, someone went up there and finally cleaned it. Wow. You can just see a little ladder Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So once every three years he cleans the roof. (laughs) I guess so. That's what I'm saying. Like You should have went up and grabbed. I mean, that would have been like you sell it as a -a one-of-a-kind object. This is a brick, you know? I kept saying that to my wife, (laughs) Karis. Like, oh, when I'm done with this, I got to go up there and get the brick (laughs) and just keep it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's very poetic that it's gone because now it's like where the hell is it, you know? No, I think this is fantastic. I, mean, I was really happy that it was gone because otherwise I would have never finished. <laughs> it's like I would have finished this and yeah. then yeah. kept taking more photos of sure. it. And right. Sometimes things need to end. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's not like I wasn't doing other photographs during this time, but we all have those things that we always like to photograph. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like right out your window, you know. But it's a good, again, Patrick Guggen. I mean, you should be Patrick Guggen. I don't know. You guys kind of have a similar approach. But, I mean, he's shooting, like, out his window in Silver Lake, too. And it's the same thing, changing mood, changing color. And, like, yeah, there's there's something to that that familiar sight, you know. Mm -hmm. But I've never been able to do it. I guess I don't. I got bars on my window. I guess I I could go out (laughs) my back window. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about that. It's right there. Yeah, maybe I'm. Maybe I'll try it. Right I gotta there, find, waiting I gotta for find, you. I gotta find a different name. Maybe I'll do it on like Instax or something like we that. We can start right? a new movement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out your window. <laughs> out the window. Well, that would be the second movement we're starting on the show. The first one is men flashing plants, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which was started with Patrick Gukin. Patrick Gukin yeah. and yeah, Alex Martinez. Uh, I don't know. I like flashing plants too. You know, popping <laughs> <laughs> to each his own, <laughs> especially at night. You know, <laughs> do Which, the plants uh, like it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've had no complaints yet. You know? <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see in the photos. They definitely take on a personality of their own. But you also shoot. So you also, you know, you're definitely a New Yorker, and you shoot in New York and. The other book you got here is your cell phone project, where it's a, and it's an obsession of a lot of photographers, and Tom is obsessed with this as well. And actually, Tom <laughs> said, looking at your book, he's I, like, "I'm gonna have to quit my project." Yeah. On, like this was keep, a while ago. People messing around with their technology. Yeah, Brian showed me your work like, probably a year and a half ago or two years, and I saw it. And I was just like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's been at it for a while. He knows like you are many steps further." Yeah, so it's uh, it's, but it's still it has that New York definitely. It's 
again, it's almost like the brick or the phone is the brick, but really the photos are about, you know, everything else around it, you know? Right. You know, so I think it's another one of those good hooks for, you know, expressing what's going on in New York. Well, I've been in New York for only nine years, mm-hmm. um, but in the time that I've been here, it's like something I've just seen take over the sidewalk in a kind of a creepy way. Absolutely. And I'm sure you know even more, like having spent so much time on the street here before. I'm sure everyone that photographs on the street mm-hmm. for this time period has seen just the cell phone use yeah. explode and it just doesn't stop every year. It's like more and more. Now it's just ridiculous. It changes the way people do everything, the way they walk, the way they exit the subway. Oh, that drives me crazy. When <laughs> yeah, you're those, walking those. up to subway steps and someone in front of you is going so slow because they're texting. Or they're, well, yeah. I think I've reached the point in my New York experience where I have no fear of yelling at them. Yeah. <laughs> What the hell? Get Are you kidding the, me? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> get off the steps. You know? I definitely approve of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't. I feel no remorse whatsoever. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if it's a little old lady. It's like, come on. Not on the steps, you know? So the longer you've been in New York, the more shouting rights you have? I feel like that, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's definitely crazy, but I don't want to vilify people for it because... I'm not that much better because I've caught myself doing it <laughs> oh, yeah. plenty of times. But I do. You know what I do? I feel like because I'm a fast walker. Like I'm a like fast. I'm like a sprint. Like I That's go a good move. thing in my book. Yeah. I'd like dart in and through and like I know how to do it. I'm, I'm a real. You know, efficient. I'm an efficient. I'm a pro <laughs> walker. You know what I like to say? So like as soon as I feel like I have to grab my phone, it's like I exit out and go right up against the wall. Like right away. Yeah. Make sure, you like, pull over. I'm That's all, good. I pull over. I'm like out of anyone's way. Yeah. But like there have been a few times where I've lapsed and then all of a sudden like somebody's in. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're one like, of them. For that moment <laughs> in that period of time, I'm the the asshole. Yep. It doesn't. Nobody knows my history. Nobody knows how polite I've been in the past. <laughs> like at that moment, I'm in this book. You know what I mean? So you do the pullover. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I got to get out of the way. You know. I've heard people get like angry at that too. Yeah. Like, why are you stopping? Why are you stopping? <laughs> oh yeah, no. But I get out like yeah. against the no, wall. You do yeah. the pullover. Yeah. I do yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's you like get, put yourself next to a tree. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. As far away as, like, yeah, the traffic as you can, you know? Yeah, that's the polite thing to do. Everyone should do that. I mean, I love pedestrians in New York, and I feel like cars in New York City are evil, and the people that drive them are the Fuck you, Robert Moses. (laughs) (laughs) The the people who drive cars in New York City are the most dangerous people in the city, but sometimes in Midtown Manhattan, pedestrians are just stupid. They don't even pay it. They they just think they can walk across, and I'm like, you're going to— how are they people not dying left and right? They just go. And it's like, it's it's red. Like, you can't go, you know? And like, oh. And then they get stuck in the middle of traffic and, like, there's cars. The most dangerous times that I've crossed the street have been when I've had the walk sign. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Definitely. The times I've almost been hit, I've had the walk sign. And I just shake my head at people. Why do you have to run across the intersection? Wait two minutes. Like, where are you going, you know? That's big with... 13-year-olds in Brooklyn. <laughs> like yeah, they yeah. cannot wait two minutes. They need to run it right in front of a truck yeah. to make it to the other side. Yeah. And it's like, what? To meet your friend? Get a piece yeah. of pizza? Where are you going? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, what? There's nothing that urgent. Well, anyways, there's our New York City rants, I guess. But we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and take a look at some uh, books that you brought. Great. All right. See you then. 
even I normally like F8, F11, be there, you know. But I recently on the Mamiya, I've been shooting at F4, F5, like trying to do shallow depth of field stuff. Cause I was kind of like, oh, whatever, I don't want to do that, you know. Like, right. But now when I see some of the results, and it's like I've been shooting with expired film, and I'm like. I'm totally into this. <laughs> like, expand my photographic repertoire, you know. Try to become a better photographer, you know. It's like after a while, it's like, what am I going to do, you know. I can't go out and take the same pictures all the time. I used to use the Contax G mm. with that little silver flash, and then it had a wire, or it had a cord that you could use with it, but the cord was only 18 inches or 12 oh, inches right, long. Right. So you could autofocus with that rangefinder camera and then hold that tiny flash right, right. in your other hand. And I thought that looked pretty great. What do you do with uh, the Leica? I just put the flash on put it. The flash on. Yeah. yeah. So like you, direct, direct access most of the time. Yeah. And uh, often I'll mix the ambient with the flash. That's not bad. That's a, it's a well, well-worn uh, tactic. Balanced. True, yeah. So we're back, and we, you've got Tom. Tom says I say this in every single episode, but you brought. We've got some, some great books here for you people. <laughs> That's because you guys like photo books. Yeah, really like, and well, it's true. Every time people, I, I mean, I don't care. I mean, as long as it's true, if the day it comes, is true, if the it day is true. comes where somebody. Bring some real stinkers or stuff that I don't They're like. They're not even going to be on the show. They're not going to be on the show. Yeah. Right. Kick we them only, all. We only save the best. Be like the Molly Borland babies <laughs> book or something. <laughs> yeah. We'll just be like, we're having technical problems. Um, <laughs> I think we're not going to have to cancel the show. Yeah. I'm really sorry, but that's not the case. You can stay. You can it's, stay. No. <laughs> these photographs interfere with our sound waves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the first, the first book I want to talk about. Is a Warwick Mountain series, and it's uh, photographed by Philip Perkis. And so we were talking before about how you'll never be able to sell this book. Mm, Why will you never yeah. be able to sell this Interesting. book? <laughs> because when my girlfriend moved into my apartment, she insisted that I move all of my bookshelves. I have four seven-feet-tall kind of narrow bookshelves into the area with direct sunlight and I was really against it. And finally I just relented and said, okay. And sure enough, all the spines on my hundreds of books started <laughs> fading. And initially I was furious for letting this happen. And then I realized that this meant that I will never be able to sell any of my photo books. <laughs> so no matter how broke I would be in the future, I couldn't resort to selling my photo books. And then I sort of went with it. And now I kind of relish the fact that, my spines are faded, and it means they're with me for life. They're um, yours, exactly. Yeah. I think I think it's beautiful. It makes them one of a kind. But it else, I wonder, if, like subconsciously, you must have done that. It's like I can't, I can't part with these books. I mean, I think it's beautiful. But what, so let it. Why did you bring Philip Perkis? Because I've seen his stuff online. I don't know if it was Blake Andrews or somewhere else. Maybe Blake did a interview with him. I'll, I'll check on that. I think he did. I remember reading that. Yeah. But this is the book that I pull off my bookshelf the most. Mm -hmm. And I just find these photographs to be absolutely spectacular and enjoyable yeah. and pleasing to look at. They make me feel really calm. And mm. I just, you know, everyone has a couple books that they pull out more than others and mm -hmm. they may not be the best photographs out of any book they have or the 
most poignant, but I just am so drawn to this book. It's just really enjoyable for me to look at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I this is this classic black and white, beautiful black and white, but it's it's that presence. You know, you feel like every photo is that moment. I mean, and I know it's cliche, every photo is a moment, but like you can really kind of tell those very observant photographers who are edge to edge. Everything is like yeah. right in the right place. There's you know? this one photograph of trees and rocks coming out through the snow that mm -hmm. really caught my attention because it seems like such an ordinary winter scene if you're in the northeast. That could be anywhere. It could mm -hmm. be anywhere, but there's just something about the order of things within that frame. It's that, perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and it's just yeah the the the, the harmony the, the tonal harmony, but then there's always just kind of what do you what do you call it the like the hook of the photograph? What is the hell is that called? I don't know. The uh, depends on the photograph. Um, no, there's a <laughs> there's a term. It's like one of those French philosopher asshole. Not term. focal point. No, uh, I don't know what you're. We are at. really what are you idiots? What are we idiots? No, I'm too old. I'm I don't know. I can't remember. I'm uneducated for something. I'll look it up. Or so if maybe if we had some dedicated listeners who would call us, someone is shouting the answer to this question <laughs> yeah, exactly. right now yeah, in the future. Yeah. I hope they are. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, the, the Putnam, the the Putnam, 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 whatever. Fine, <laughs> I'll look it up later. Screw you guys. <laughs> anyways, it's the hook. It's like that one kind of angle. It's either like the lines or you know the tonal harmony or the you know whatever it is. And the, he's just. The quality I mean, that makes the photograph. Yeah, it's the thing that holds your attention. He's, you can just tell those guys that are like photographers, photographers. And like, this guy is definitely He's one of the them. the definition <laughs> of the photographer's photographer, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And this is the stuff I just love. I mean, you're right. I think I've looked at it four times already. But that goes into kind of a point that we brought up. It's like you see a book like this, like I saw stuff online, and now I've paged through this like five times, but the photos are etched into my brain, into my subconscious. And so they are calm. There's yeah. just like something very tranquil I about love this. the this order is, of things. <laughs> th this is how I photograph now. I mean, this is like, I don't I want to say it's like the, you know, the old man type of photograph, you know, <laughs> the, the black and white the and the trees Adams. and kind of like, yeah, yeah, but I'm like, I'm into that. Yeah. If that's the tradition, then I guess, you know, so be it. But yeah. And the editing on this too is really nice. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's like. It's just the attention to subtlety and framing your pictures around a twig that sticks out or a mm -hmm. puddle or a rock or something that most people just think, I don't want that in my picture, but giving those small little things the same importance as you do a greater moment mm -hmm. or a flashier object Who's to say the flash of your object makes for a better photograph? I, I tend to like a combination of the two or. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I a hundred percent. I mean, this is, you know, this is, it's kind of fitting that I see this book right now. Cause it's kind of, and then oftentimes I'll look at this and I was saying before, it's like, I don't photograph enough. You know, and I need to make more photographs. And I think it's great when you can look at a book and it just makes me want to like, okay, stop recording, Tom. I'm going to go out and take pictures. I don't care what time it is. It's like, I'm just going to take my That's my biggest fear. Yeah, like, I'm just going to take my camera out and go take pictures. You know? Because like, these pictures are everywhere. Exactly, like, exactly. These pictures aren't, you can't just only take these in Turkey. Like, you can take these <laughs> anywhere in the world, yeah, yeah. and you get the feeling when you look at that 
you could just walk out your front door and take a picture that could belong in that book. And that's to me so inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to switch, uh, switch gear. I mean, I think I feel we could talk about perks forever, but so the next one you brought is, um, definitely going to butcher this one, Bernard Pousseau and it's called so long and it's photographs from 1970 to 85. Now you told me this guy's made like 90 books. 70 yeah, books. Yeah, a lot of books. Yeah. You From mentioned, all over the world. I'm sorry. You just made, yeah, you mentioned the ice cream truck and just went by. And there it is. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, you were talking yeah. about this yeah. earlier. Yeah. Have you guys ever had the ice cream truck? Not yeah. until just, just now. now. <laughs> Amazing. It was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. it was meant to be. <laughs> but we'll go back to uh, Pousseau. I mean, this is, I mean, there's a lot of photographs in this book, but. Man, oh man, he's another one of those like photographers, you know, real street photographer. It's like this guy, you see a book like this, and it's yeah. like you know this guy's been walking around more than you. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's got really worn shoes, this guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like a cross between what I've seen in like 1964 by Winogrand oh. and some Friedlander. It's like really good. Charles Harbett. It reminds me of Charles Harbett, too. And Charles Harbett's one of my favorites. But what I like about this book is the small form. The small form is so perfect for like that this amount of photographs. It definitely helps with the quantity. Yeah, and I think that's it was something Gus Paul brought up too. Is like he likes these small books, and I, I'm starting to like small books packed with photographs. You know, and like again, you look at this book, and it's like I need to take more photographs. How's this guy taking so many photographs? And if he's got 90 books, and you said he's been all over the world, right? Yeah, I know he's lived and. Several different countries. So, where did you find this book? I don't know how I first <laughs> found out about <laughs> it. Probably at the library. Uh huh. Just pulled it off the shelf? I That would most likely be how I discovered his photographs. I used to go to the public libraries a lot hmm. and oh, just go awesome. to the photography section and start pulling books off and looking at them and. I've always been really attracted to his photographs. He seems to have mastered this moment that's not quite the very decisive Brisson moment. It's mm -hmm. a, a much quieter moment, but at the same time, it's scenes filled with people and potential larger moments. Yeah. I mean, he's also like one of those like everyday photographers too, you know. Other than I like, I like those guys, you know. Always take pictures. You never know when the picture is going to be there. He has a lot of photographs from the Southwest, mm -hmm. just desert scenes and rocks and sky that are really great. Yeah, I kind of I've sworn off street photography, but now that I'm kind of seeing some of those things, I'm like, oh, it's not doing? such a bad brand. It is a bad brand. But like, I don't know <laughs> if we want to go down. I think I feel like we beat that to death this season, but and on the internet, I don't know. Like, it's a bad brand. Like the way so many of those guys. So many of these dudes on the internet kind of use it as their crutch. It's like I'm a street photographer, and but like these guys, they're photographers. Like they're you know, it's they're they're, they're lifers. They're not you know, they're not trying to pretend. You know, they're not trying to build themselves up or prove that they are a photographer. It's like I'm gonna do this no matter what. And those yeah. are the like my favorite guys. Like I don't give a shit. Like if 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 nothing else, like I'm gonna walk out and take photographs. And like that's how I feel about it too. It's like. Whatever. At this point, like as long as I can do that and I'm able to walk and go out and take the pictures, everything's cool, you know? Yeah, I feel the same yeah. way. 
definition of street photographer just like it's not something I care at all about. Like, I'm yeah. gonna take pictures and I'm gonna be walking and if I'm on the sidewalk or a road or hiking path, it doesn't matter to me. Like I don't want to waste time debating whether I'm a quote unquote street <laughs> photographer. Like I just like to take pictures. And yeah. If I'm walking. I'm happy. So maybe we should, yeah, if I'm walking, I'm happy. Maybe we should, because walking is me and Tom and a lot of people here have an obsession with just. And Rebecca that. Solnit. Re- Rebecca Solnit, which you mentioned <laughs> in half the episodes. But, yeah. um, like, wh- what is it? How long have you been a walker? I mean, I think ask how long you've been a photographer, but how long is, like, the walk? Like, just going out and doing the walk been? I'm 35, uh, so probably 33 years. <laughs> yeah, I, agree. <laughs> nice. yeah. I grew up in Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Walking to the corner store was part of my routine since for as long as I can remember. I like walking down the street and looking at things. Yeah. Like, that's what I've always done. Yeah. So do you feel like you said before on uh, the project in, in Texas where you would seven to seven, like 12 hours out walking? I mean, that's, I can make, I can go about, if I push three hours, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm getting close to 40. So he didn't maybe say I, uninterrupted. You know, I'll stop for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'll sit down and have a coffee. Yeah. But it just yeah. means being out in the world. Like, I really strive to, have an intense work ethic and I try to wake up as early as I can every weekday and put myself in situations where I'm being productive mm-hmm. as much as I can. And like, I just, I'm kind of obsessed with taking pictures and I love it so much that it's not hard. Like that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. So like I yeah. can wake up at six and be out the door at six fifty, and it's just getting light out and like, I'm walking, taking pictures, and I'm psyched. And the next day, the same thing happens, and I'm, like, even more excited to oh, go totally. out and take pictures because that's, like, the best-case scenario for me. What do you feel like the morning? I mean, I love the mornings. I used to never be a morning person, but I feel like the morning is just, I don't know. You have a good night's sleep, and your head is just clear, and then all of a sudden you get that walk out the door, and, like, that reality just, like, hits you. It, like, overwhelms you, and it's like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm right where I need to be, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I, for me, it's mostly on the weekends because I, you know, I work a day job. But on those weekends or Saturday or Sunday morning, it's just like bliss. I mean, there's nothing else like it, you know? And I have no idea where I'm going and it doesn't matter. And like, I'm there for those three hours. And like, your perception changes. The way you look at anything changes when you have nothing to do and like to just be there and look, you know? And then I, I feel like the walking stimulates something in your head, you know? Certainly, yeah. Who was it? I was saying somebody said at work where, you know, when you walk into a new room and like you you walk you, you go into the room and you're looking for your keys, but then when you get into the room, you forget why you were there. <laughs> it's 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 an instinct in us for anytime we enter a new environment, we become hyper aware of the environment. We forget you know, why we're there because we're so focused. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. There's yeah. something funny about doorways too because they're in between. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. It's, it's something It's yeah, I think it was about walking through the doorway. And I feel like that way too. And I thought about that. I think you, that's true. It's like kind of like photographing in a new environment because you don't know the environment. Mm-hmm. So you're out there and your perception, you become hyper aware. And then you add like photography on top of it and like your senses are just supercharged, you know? So I think like, you know, it's, it's it's a Zen dedication to it. It's, it's, you know, like you work at it and then you can just be there. I don't know. 
When, and I think it's just photography that we appreciate tends to attract people that are genuinely curious as like what things are going to look like around the corner. Mm-hmm. And some people don't care about that. Like, you know, it's true. you'll meet someone and they've been living in your neighborhood for a couple of years and they haven't been six blocks south. They're like, I don't know. I've never been over <laughs> yeah. there. I'm like, how could you not have just wandered and walked over there? They're probably more like, con- it's not, it's not about seeing things that are really grand or amazing, but it just, I think this kind of photography attracts people that just want to know what that looks like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. regardless of if it's special or photographic. But like, I literally just want to know a lot, like what it's going to look like around the corner so I can start to understand a neighborhood or a town. I don't even get bored in my neighborhood. I can go and walk the same street and it's like, oh, I've seen the same thing like days and days and days. But that one day... There's something changed. If I hadn't seen it for all those days previously, I wouldn't recognize what changed. So one day you don't have your camera. No, well, I always <laughs> have my phone. I've been shooting yeah. with my phone a lot more with the square. Yeah, you know, your, the phone that you just took away from me. It, it was uh, causing some interference. Yeah, whatever. I'm maintaining the auto quality of whatever. So speaking <laughs> of the ultimate photographer's photographer, Uncle Lee... Friedlander. That's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Like a one-eyed cat. Photographs by Lee Friedlander, 1956 to 1987. I mean, I don't know what the hell you, what what can you really say about this guy, you know? I mean, this, he's, there's a reason he's in MoMA, you know? And like a lot of classic photographs in here. Tom wants to get him on the show. So if anyone knows I mean, that would be a dream show, of course. This isn't your dream show. This isn't your dream Ah. show, Tom? (laughs) (laughs) Tom, he's so... Uh, sorry, no. I just love this book yeah. because of the layout and the... I'm, aside from the images being fantastic, the way the pictures are laid out on the pages and the sequencing and the different sizes of the images, mm-hmm. I've never seen a book that does it this successful. Yeah, you kind of... You know, he's a bookmaker. I mean, he's done it. He's controlled the whole thing his entire career. Printer and bookmaker. I mean, he's... He's like a one of a kind. I mean, there's there's just no one like him, you know. And the, you know what I love. What I loved about looking at this book is there's so many familiar photographs, but they're in a different context. Like yeah, you exactly. said, the layout yeah. is different. You're right. And then with Friedlander, I mean, the guy is so prolific that you know we're looking at photographs here, and like I've never seen some of these, and I'm seeing these Friedlander mm-hmm. photographs for the first time, and like. I'm sorry. That's fucking awesome. It Anytime is. you see like it's exciting. A, a, a new Friedlander photograph, I love yeah. this dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and like the 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 three photos of the black cat, you know. But really, uh, and, yeah. so at this book, you but where did you buy it? Because it says it the I- Iridale County Public Library. What state is that in? And it has all the dates it was checked out. October 29th, ninth, nineteen ninety three was the first one, and the last one was May 9th, two thousand two. And at first, I was like, did you steal this from the library? <laughs> you know? Like, that's pretty bold. I wish I could say I did because it would make a nice story. But yeah. I think I bought it around 2004 or uh-huh. 2003, somewhere online. And I, I haven't been able to remove that library sticker and the no. stamps because they kind of just feel right in this book. So. Are you kidding yeah. me? It makes it one of a kind. <laughs> of There's course. no other book like this. And, and it has a whole history. And you can see it. Yeah. How many Eight times? Years it's been checked out about twelve times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is this is 
It's something I never even thought. Who sold yeah. it? Why did they sell it? We should call them up and say, why did you sell this book? Not enough people were checking it why, out. This could be a project. We should try to figure out every single person who checked no. out this book. I think there's there's rules against giving that kind of information you know those out. records exist in some weird little plastic <laughs> Okay, box. but you would make it an we open... We are at the NSA. No, you would make it an open call. You would say, here's this book. It was checked out from this <laughs> county library on these dates. Was this you? Who was it? You'd be lucky to get one response. It's like probably just so negative, one Tom? photo book nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That didn't actually Puritel check out the county. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the same guy every yeah. time. Same guy. <laughs> he, what if he's the next uh, Vivian Mayer, you know? Uh, Who knows? That's true. I'm convinced there's a lot of those out there. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. That's I wrote that blog post. It's like maybe not as many John Maloofs. Maybe not as John Maloofs. Yeah, who knows when they're gonna come <laughs> on? But yeah, Uncle Lee. I, so, this the next, you guys are gonna have to tell me about this book because this is a professor of yours. Uh, yeah. Who Owen? Who's Owen? Owen Butler. Okay. Notorious RIT photography professor. He's a legend. I know he used to be or still is friends with Philip Perkis, and mm-hmm. in the seventies, maybe even the sixties. Sixties, yes. He was a professor at. Pratt, I believe, oh. and friends with a lot of photographers that have become really famous. Mm-hmm. I think he is every bit as talented and good as they are, but he's not as recognized. He's one of my top 10 favorite photographers. It's he definitely big. has his own moment in fairly similar to Phillips. The moment's just so beautiful and perfect. Like this picture of the back of the man's jacket mm-hmm. and his top hat is one of my f- favorite photographs I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah. And I like, I like the format of this too. You know, it's like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, white space. There's a lot of negative space here around the photos. But you don't, you know, if, you know it forces you to kind of go into the picture more, you know. I mean, this is someone that's been making photographs for, I would guess, yeah. 50 or 60 years. I can't imagine his archives must be so amazing. <laughs> he was telling one of my classes about uh, being in a Robert Frank film, too. He he was around a lot of people. I would really love to see a retrospective yeah. book or just I, somehow more of his work needs to be out there because I just think it's so special. Are you, are you uh, hearing that, Gerhard Steidel? There's in a <laughs> book for you. <laughs> Get on that. But you said there's only 10 of these. Oh, no, I don't know how many there are. Know. So how did you get this? He gave it to you? He gave it to me in 2002. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I don't your think there's home? that many out there. Well, I he, heard he's like he's a difficult character, and uh, I think he... He's you know, before guy. he gave it to me, he also ripped out a couple pages and tore them up. <laughs> just because yeah. he like, didn't want those pages to Amazing. be out there. Yeah. Literally, yeah. as he handed me, he's like, oh, no, I need that back. And then he like, <laughs> took out certain pages. It's spiral bound. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. When I, and I my, think I know where this was. It was bound at RAD probably, yeah. right? I mean, I have a yeah. few. I mean, this triptych is amazing. That is just crazy. I love black and white. I don't know. I love black and white so much. Love color though too. I mean, I love them both. When I had a class with him, we had to produce a final book, and he encouraged us to produce it in a similar manner with the binding. And uh, 
I remember spending a lot of time on it and was psyched and was like excited to get it back and I didn't get it back. I never got like he <laughs> keeps he keeps <laughs> the books and he never told us that was <laughs> Well that's good for him, man. I mean he's yeah. from the you know. He also has two other books that you can probably buy somewhere on the internet. One of them is with Philip and it's like teaching notes. Oh, okay. And then he has another book of very short writing and mm-hmm. sometimes they're one-liners and sometimes they're paragraphs, but they're for photographers and they're pretty great. That kind of sounds like the best way to describe his class too. There were yeah. some days <laughs> where he came in and it was like a one-liner and this, and then some days where he would just talk. Yeah, you get the feeling 80% of the class is like, who the fuck is right. this guy? <laughs> like, why am I paying money to be here? And continue to think that for the whole semester and then the other 20% are like, this guy's amazing. This best teacher I've had. So the last book, it's uh, pretty much a classic, legendary book. Most people, I think, listening to probably would know this book. It's RFK, Funeral Train, Paul Fusco. Is that how you say his name? Or is it Fusco? Anyone know? Tell him. You don't know. I have no authority on how to pronounce uh, his names. I'm clearly not. Uh, first time I've actually seen this book. I mean, well, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes you see these classic books and you just, yep. <laughs> I'm never going to try to do a project shooting outside of a train because, you know, nailed it, you know. Well, you wouldn't necessarily get this kind of opportunity where that many people come out to watch a train going by. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sad and heartbreaking and yeah. whatever, you know. You get the, you know, the whole, but to me, like, the pictures feel, I don't know. Like, there's, like, the train whizzing by and the spontaneity of it, it feels like, God, you're right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it puts you right right there. And so feels, many different people. It's amazing. And you think that was from... Was yeah, it yeah, New York City to DC? Oh, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. oh really? I don't. I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure the exact yeah. trip, but it's short trip on the East Coast. And what a perfect person to be there for that! Yeah, I mean, this is there's a reason this book is. I mean, it's got to be probably makes a lot of lists of one of the greatest photo books ever. You know, mm-hmm. I would guess. I, I just love the mixing of different types of people and the different races of the people and their mm-hmm. expressions and everyone is just it's there is, has that look of disbelief and right right certain pride to all the different people i mean the color on this too it's like i don't know this that's kind of what's striking me right now this used kodachrome right had to been had to been 68 yeah he had to been shooting kodachrome i think kodachrome it's definitely 100. a slide film but yeah so you can feel that and it's again, this is another one where the form is perfect, you know, like the photos take up a lot of space and it has a, I don't know, I should learn more about the format of photo books if we're doing a podcast yeah. on photo books, right? Yeah. This is learn why, our bindings. Learn our bindings. This is why we need to bring in, yeah, we need to bring in some publishers. Experts. Experts in yeah. Yeah. That could be, uh, we should figure that out. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So you said uh, you said you had a good story for us to end on from uh, your trip to Texas. 
Oh, I have a good story from Corsicana. I found this scene that I really obsessed over. And I think this can relate to anyone that likes to take these kind of photographs. But I was behind a -a rent-a-center, and I found this scene, and I took it. I usually don't use a tripod, but I just... I needed something to happen to pull the scene together, so I started waiting and waiting. And like an hour or two went by, and then the guys that work in Rent-A-Center were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I'm waiting for something to happen. They're like, well, okay, that doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) And then another hour or two went by, and they were like, hey, man, like we'll just walk through the scene if you need like a person to walk through, because there was this kind of rigged up bridge across this little creek and I really wanted someone to walk across the bridge because it was on this path and if I just waited and they kept telling me oh yeah people always walk down it so (laughs) I kept waiting and then they kept insisting like oh we'll just do it for you and they kept going back inside and coming back out so then like the first day went by I think I waited like four hours there just in the exact same spot waiting I came back the next day set up again they came out they're like you're here again i'm like yeah i gotta i'm waiting for something to happen (laughs) and then another hour or two went by and they're like come back out they're like hey we brought you something and they brought me a pig in the blanket to eat (laughs) (laughs) so like i I ate it and then like some more hours go by and they came out and they brought me a chair (laughs) (laughs) nice and they're like just just knock on the gate and return it when you're done. So then I had a pig in a blanket and then I (laughs) sat there for the last two hours sitting in a chair from Renta Center (laughs) with my finger like on the trigger and sure enough the perfect person walked by and the bridge was like this little faded yellow bridge and this guy with red sneakers walks by and he's got a cigarette and it just was kind of a perfect moment. Absolutely. It's kind of like uh, summarizes photography in its whole. You know, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's things work out, sometimes they don't. But yeah. if they hadn't brought me that chair, I might not have been able to wait it out. Oh, I think I waited awesome. eight to ten yeah. hours in this one spot. And, you know, you never know. Nothing could happen. Right. And you could have just wasted half a day. But thanks to that rent-a-center chair, I really <laughs> got lucky. Awesome. Well, that's a perfect story to end on. Thank you for joining us. Yes. It's been amazing. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Tom. Good so uh, on that note, on I want to say uh, we're, this, we're wrapping up season two. This will be the finale for season two. We're going to take uh, the rest of the summer off. And it's been an amazing 20, what are we, 29 episodes? It has so many photo books. So many photo books. And like we're just thankful to everyone that's listened to this season and everyone who's joined us and brought us the books. It really like has worked out more amazingly than we could have really like thought about you know we you know we we want we have this idea of like we want to dig into people's personal photo book archives and see what they bring and it has just like it's happened like exactly like every week we we see or seeing different books you never know what they're gonna bring so you know but everyone needs a breather so we're gonna take a couple months off we're gonna like set up our lineup for the fall refine a few things and we're gonna come back and we're gonna uh, do it again so yeah Again, thanks everyone for listening. We'll 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 be back in a couple months. Thank you. See you next season. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and co-produced by Tom Starkweather and Eddie Volante. 
Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Thanks again for listening. 